Good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton, and I am the Happy Valley Campus Pastor, and I am honored to have the opportunity to speak with you again today. I would like to start our time with just a quick question. What has been your go-to over these last several months? With all the chaos and the confusion that we are living through right now, what has been that thing or that activity or that experience that's been your go-to that's given you some measure of peace, that's given you maybe a, a perspective, or it's at least just given you the opportunity just to take a breath and say, it's going to be okay. For me, there is no better recharge, no better refresher in my life than being able to just stop, sit on my couch and watch a movie by myself. For those of you that don't know, I'm an introvert, okay? And what an introvert kind of means is that we just need to be by ourselves to recharge. It doesn't mean that we don't like being around people. I love being around people. Uh, You, as my church, are some of my favorite people on the face of the planet, but it's exhausting. It's tiring. And so what I need to do every so often is just find some time, create a space, and just be by myself. And one of my favorite things to do when there's no kids around, when I just got a little bit of space to myself is just put on a good movie. And I just wanted to share with you one of those movies that I have just fallen in love with over these last several months. And before I share that movie with you, I just want you to be kind, okay? Just be a little gracious here because uh, as I share this movie, you're probably going to be a little confused by it and go, why of all the movies, why is that the one that has been your go-to that's given you some kind of happiness in all this chaos. I shared this with my life group a couple months ago and they all laughed at me. They all thought it was the weirdest movie, but here you go. The movie that I have just absolutely loved watching over these last five months in the midst of the chaos is A League of Their Own. And I don't know how many of you have seen this, but it is a awesome and amazing movie. Now again, kind of weird, right? A movie about a women baseball league in the middle of World War II. I am not a woman and I actually hate baseball. It's probably my least favorite sport, but I can't tell you enough how much I love this movie. Just to hear Tom Hanks yell out, there's no crying in baseball is worth watching the movie in and of itself. And if you know the story, little spoiler alert, the whole premise is based off this relationship between an older sibling and a younger sibling. And at the end of the movie, the younger sibling wins the game and the older sibling loses. And so that might have to do a little bit of why I like that movie so much. But it makes me laugh. It makes me cry. When I watch it, I just kind of go, ah, this is, this is good stuff right here. And the funny thing is, is I've seen this movie countless times. I know every joke I know every dramatic moment and every time I watch it, it makes me laugh and it makes me bawl my eyes out. And no matter how many times I've watched it, no matter how many times I go back to it, it just kind of gives me this sense of, okay, everything is going to be okay. Today, we are going to start a brand new message series as we walk through the book of Psalms. And the desire that we're going to have every, uh, every week is that hopefully this can be a space that we can create here during this time and, all, and an opportunity for you to, as throughout the week, just to have a go-to, 
an opportunity for you to go back to every so often that every weekend that we can gather together, that this can be a time, a go-to for you, that in the midst of everything that we are dealing with, in the midst of all the struggles and the chaos and the confusion, that we together can find some peace, that maybe we can be given a different perspective and maybe, just maybe, we can all catch our breath and remind ourselves that's going to be okay. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. That's the Psalm that we're going to be spending a lot of our time in. And the title of my message today is You Are With Me. Now, before we dive into Psalm 23, I just need to set the stage for the book of Psalms as a whole. I don't know how many of you have really spent a lot of time in Psalms. It's that really big section in your Bible in the Old Testament. As a kid, I always used to take the Bible and say, Lord, uh, whatever scripture you want me to read, just let me read. And I would take my finger and I'd usually end up in Psalms because that was right in the middle of the Bible. And so Psalms is a book made up of 150 Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers written by several different authors over a very long period of time. It's a carefully crafted book that speaks to the deepest emotions of human life. This is one of the reasons why it is so popular and why so many people go back to it time and time again, because as you go through the Psalms, you can experience the whole gamut of human emotions. You can read a Psalm that is talking about despair, talking about hopelessness, crying out, God, where are you? And in the same chapter, or at least in that next chapter, in that next next psalm, you can see uh, the psalmist crying out, God, I love you, God. I trust in you, God. You are good and you are with me. I love the way that uh, Psalms was written because it's written kind of in open-ended language. It's, it's kind of written in a way that no matter who you are and no matter what you're coming from, you can go to the Psalms and you can kind of find yourself in them. And that was on purpose. It was a book that was written and co- collaborated uh, for the people of God, for the church, uh, so that no matter where they were going through, no matter what they were experiencing, they could go and experience encouragement, that they could experience some kind of of challenge, all with the purpose, all with the desire to lead the community, to lead those that open up the book of Psalms to experience God in this current context, to experience God in the here and now. Craig Broyles uh, talks about Psalms this way. He says, the Psalms express the heart and soul of the conversation that takes place between God and his people. Its popularity through the millennia lies in its human words that articulate innermost joys, aspirations, and fears, and in its prophetic in words in which God himself assures us and unmasks our pretensions. That's the beauty, again, of the book of Psalms, is that it's really just about this conversation, this dialogue, this wrestling match that you and I can have with God as we try to navigate through life, as we try to navigate through the difficulties of faith, and that we can see joy, we can see our hopes and our aspirations, we can see fear and despair and darkness, and all along the way, God is trying to show up to not only affirm where we are, but also draw us closer to him and help us grow and unmask our pretension. There's a lot of different types of Psalms and we're going to be hitting it four main categories of Psalms over these next couple weeks. Each speaker is going to take a different theme of the song. There's lament, there's petition, thanksgiving, and today I'm going to be really spending some time in Psalm 23, which I believe is to be a Psalm of praise. 
Now, for those of you that have not grown up in the church, and if you are watching and you're, uh, you haven't given your life over to Jesus Christ, you, you still struggle with what church is all about and faith, and you have a lot of questions, and you maybe have some doubts, this idea or this word praise just might be difficult for you to kind of wrap your head around. Too often we hear in, in, in the life of the church, we just take for granted these words that we just throw out there so often like praise or maybe even the, a word like worship. And so I just wanted to give you a real quick definition of what I consider to be praise. What does praise really mean? And just the, the simplest way that I can put it is the ability for us to claim the truth of who we believe God to be. Praise is us, the words that we speak, our life in action, basically saying this is what we believe the God of the universe to be. This is who we believe him to be, the truth of his character and how he relates to us and the relationship that he wants to have with us. For example, one of the songs that we sang this morning was Cornerstone, an amazing worship song that I love to sing. Uh, one of my absolute favorites. And one of the lines uh, in that song is this, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Now the praise in that line, right, is there's, there's a lot, but one of them is to be able to say through the storm, right? Through the most difficult of circumstances, when we are surrounded by fear and a danger, can we say the words? Can we truly believe that the Lord that we believe in, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our cornerstone is Lord above all? That's the kind of the, the foundational aspect of worship, to be able to claim truth of who we believe God to be, to not only speak it, but to believe it. That's kind of the, the foundational aspect of what praise is. And so we're going to go through Psalm 23 and we're going to see truth. And together we will claim the truth of who we believe God to be. We will be challenged by this Psalm and we will continually navigate and try to experience who God is, the relationship that he wants to have with us now in our current context with everything going on in our life. So if you have your Bibles, Psalm 23, we'll start at verse one and go to verse three. Uh, let's just, let's, let's allow this scripture to speak to us today. Psalm 23, verses one through three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Let me ask you a question. What is something that you desperately need right now? If you could to create a list, right? A list of things that you really truly want in your life. What would that list be? Or what is something that you need or truly want in your life that would make you happy? That would give you some sense of contentment or at least make you smile. What is it on that list? What would you put down that you need right now for you to enjoy life, to be happy, to put a smile on your face. I just wrote down just a, a, a random list of things that as I thought of, what do I really want? What are, what are the desires of my heart? This is the list I came up with. The first might not surprise you. And again, might not be the most profound of all things that I might want, but I honestly want this more than anything else. I want to go to Disneyland. I know that's not a surprise. I get it. I understand. But seriously, that's my, that's the happiest place on earth. That's my happy place. I want to be able to go. I don't care if I have to wear a mask. I'll wear a hazmat suit if they open up the doors, but I want to go back to Disneyland. I miss it with my kids 
or without my kids, it doesn't matter. I also want my kids to go back to all day school. When I signed up to be a parent, okay, when I, when I made the agreement to be a parent, I signed up with the understanding that one day I will be able to send my kids Monday through Friday, nine to three to a school that's not at our home. And that has been taken from me and I want it back. Another thing that I want, which again, this is one that's really hard and difficult, is I want to go back and gather at the church building with all of you. Now again, don't get me wrong. I have loved that we have continued to be the church no matter what, no matter how the way it's done, that we can still be the church and continue to live out God's mission on our life, even in a virtual format. But I look forward to the day that we can gather again and we can be the church in the church building. Not that that's what the church is all about, but I, I miss you. I miss being able to say hi to you. And another thing that I want is I want to be able to give people hugs again without having to ask permission. It's been one of the hardest things to kind of go up to people and say, Are, can I hug? No, I'll put on a mask, whatever you need me to do. It's been so frustrating. Some of you might be thinking, Aaron, that's probably a good thing for you to do even without COVID. You should probably always ask permission before you give hugs. That might be true, but I still miss giving people hugs and I want to be able to see my church family face to face again. But in all of that, one of the other things that I deeply want, probably more than any of this, is I want my family, I want my friends, I want my church family, I want you to be safe. I would be devastated if I realized that because of my ignorance in not taking the proper protocol or my arrogance because of the faith that I have that I didn't do all that I could to keep the people in my life safe. Again, whatever you feel about this virus or not, I know that's a whole debate, but I just feel this burden on my heart to do all that I can to keep the people in my life as safe as possible. My kids, my wife, my parents, my family, my friends, and every single one of you, I would never want to do anything that would put your life in danger unknowingly or knowingly. And at the end of the day, the biggest thing, again, at the end of the day that I probably want more than anything else is I just want to know what to do. I want to know what the right thing is. There is so much voices going on. So many people telling me what I should and should not be doing. At times I just go, I don't know the right thing. There are pe people telling me how I should and how I should not vote. There are people telling me how church should be and how church should not be. There are people giving me a stink eye if I wear a mask. There are people that give me a stink eye if I don't wear a mask. I am so confused at times of what the right thing to do. And I'm asking God, please, please give me the insight. Give me the wisdom. Help me know what the right thing. There is so much that I want. There are so many needs that I have. There are so many things that I lay in bed at night going, God, if you could just give me this, please, please, please. But here's what I've come to realize. True fulfillment can only be found on the other side of sacrifice and surrender. I want to say that again. True fulfillment, fulfillment that we understand in the context of the relationship that we can have with the living God can only be found on the other side of sacrifice and surrender. 
I mean, as sweet and as comforting as Psalm 23 is, and I know a lot of you, this is one of your favorite passages of scripture. This is one of your go-tos in life. It's one of my go-tos. But that very first line is so incredibly challenging and difficult for us to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Can you even imagine truly being able to say that and actually believing it? To be able to put yourself in the position of the sheep because again, that's the whole imagery that they were trying to get out with Psalm 23. They were trying to put the relationship that we have with God in the terms that God is the shepherd, which would make us the sheep. And if we are to truly believe those words, if we were truly to say, the Lord is my shepherd, what we are saying is that we are completely and totally helpless. That everything, we are completely dependent on our shepherd because the sheep were completely dependent on their shepherd for food, for water, for shelter. If they got sick, it was him who was to heal them and give them medicine. And in the midst of a world that was constantly in danger for that sheep, it was only the shepherd who was there to protect them. The promise of scripture and the promise of Psalm 23 is that we have a God who is our shepherd. And if we were to believe that, and if we were to say that, sing and speak words of praise and claim that truth, then this is what the promise that God gives us, that our shepherd will satisfy all of our needs. Look at the scripture again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. A sheep that can lie down in green pastures is a sheep who is well fed. He leads me beside quiet waters. A sheep that can be led through quiet waters is one that's no longer thirsty. That our shepherd refreshes our soul. That any brokenness that we might feel, any hard that we might be going through, it is only he who can grant us that healing and give us a restoration. And it is the shepherd, only the shepherd that can guide us along and help us understand what the right path is. But the key in all of this those promises, I believe, can come, but we have to have a posture of absolute surrender and humility as we believe and cry out to God, you are our shepherd. Gerald Griffin, a, a local pastor in a podcast, uh, said it this way in reference to Psalm 23 in this profound statement. He says, this means that I may need to repent again and trade in his kingdom for mine. I may, me, I may need to give up over these areas that I'm trying to control to my shepherd, to surrender, to let go. And maybe this even would begin for us now with a moment of confession. You are not the Lord in this relationship. He is. Again, for us to say the Lord is my shepherd is us saying we are not in control, that we are not the ones in charge of our life, that we are in the care of another. And so let me ask you this, what areas of your life, what areas of your life do you need to surrender to the shepherd? What is something that you're trying to control? What are those desires and wants that are so filling you up, that are consuming you? What are the things that are holding your mind and, and keeping you captive at night, giving you this restless spirit? What area of your life do you need to hand over to the shepherd as you call out, God, I need you. I need you to care for me. I need you to give me everything that I need. Help lead me, help guide me, restore the brokenness that I feel inside of my soul. 
Psalm 23, verse four. Let's keep going because it gets better and better the more we get into this Psalm. Psalm 23, verse four says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. When I was a kid, I remember my dad uh, taking us on uh, a hike. Uh, now, for some of you, that might be your go-to, right? In the midst of a, a chaotic and crazy world that we live in, one of the ways that you might experience some kind of peace is to go out into the outdoors and to go on a hike. I don't quite understand that. Uh, for me, hiking is basically a form of capital punishment. Uh, but hey, you know, to each his own. If you don't judge me for loving a league of your own, I won't judge you for the punishment that is, the suffering that is, the heart that is going on a hike. So... That's okay. But I remember my dad saying, okay, let's, let's go on a hike. And he said, let's go hike up to Punchbowl Falls. Uh, now, I got to be honest with you. And this is, this is vividly what I remember. This was one of the most terrifying moments of my entire life was when we got there and we saw the trail that we needed to walk up to get to this Punchbowl Falls. Let me show you a picture of this. Imagine my family, right? Imagine me as a kid walking up this trail as slow as I possibly can. And it was during winter because I remember there being snow and I remember there being ice and I remember the wind blowing like crazy. And I remember trying my best not to look at the chasm that lay just a few feet away as I walked up this horrible and horrific hike. We finally get up there and I see this waterfall and I see this lake and I go, this is it. I could have just looked at this on Google image. And the worst part is if you walk, you know, take a hike up, guess what you have to do? You have to take a hike all the way down. And so we had to go all the way down that trail again, downward, slipping and sliding. It's a miracle that I made it to my ninth birthday. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I want to ask a, a tough question. It's easy for me to ask, but I know it's tough maybe for you to receive and for you to answer, but this is what the scripture prompts me to ask just for our time together today. How many of you are walking through a dark valley right now? How many of you are struggling? You are wrestling. Maybe it's been over these last five months. Maybe you've been struggling or walking through a dark valley for a long time, but but who here today is wrestling through something that is just overwhelming, that is so hard and frustrating that you feel like you are literally walking through the darkest of valleys? Give yourself some space today and please don't allow what I'm saying or what I will try to say to you in the next few minutes to be anything but my honest cry of my heart because I want us to have some space wherever we are whatever valley we're walking through, whatever struggle we're experiencing, just to feel that for a second. And please hear me when I say this, that as one of your pastors and as a part of this church staff, I want you to know that we love you, that we absolutely adore you. And we are so sorry of the hard and the challenge that you are walking through. You do not deserve it. It is not... Um, it is not something that I think that God desires for us, but it's the reality of the world that we live in, that these dark valleys, this fear, this evil, this darkness. If I had to be honest with you, I can be honest if just for a second that I feel like I have at times over these last couple months have been walking through 
a dark valley. It has been so difficult, so challenging, so hard. But I can also be honest with you and say that I have also experienced a peace that has surpassed all understanding, that God has given me something that I have not been able to give myself as I have walked through these hard moments, these hard days, these hard and difficult and exhausting conversations. And I believe it's because of the promise that we see in Psalm 23. And it's found in the response that God makes for those of us who are walking through those dark valleys. And here's what he says. He says, I am with you. And so hear me, for those of you that are wrestling, frustrated, exhausted, that you feel the darkness, that you see the evil, you see the hurt and the pain, I want you to know that there is a God that loves you, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, and that he is with you. That's what I love about all of scripture, but especially Psalm 23, is that it points me to Jesus that this was something that the, the Old Testament writers, maybe they didn't even realize it, but they were setting the stage for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us when God sent him to this earth. And so I want you to know, and if there's anything that you can claim today, if there's a word or a song of praise that I would love for us together to sing and claim as one faith and as one community, is that no matter what dark valley we walk through, no matter how dark and difficult and scary the world might be, no matter how unknown the future is, there is a God of the universe that is with us. And he is with you. And he will never forsake you. So let me ask you this. Where do you need to feel God's presence today? What part of your life, what part of your world do you need to be reminded do you need for God to show up in a powerful way? Where do you need to feel his presence today in your life? One of the other songs that we sang earlier today is probably an upcoming worship song that I just absolutely love. Like for me, like I, I, I got to know about it and I got to hear it and I've just fallen in love with this worship song because it's the cry of my heart in the midst of all the chaos. It's the cry of my heart that I want to believe in. It's Waymaker. And here's one of the verses. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. See, with with, this, with the Psalm 23 and with everything that I see in scripture, this is the, the encouragement. This is the truth that God all along the way wants his people to recognize, to understand, and to believe that when there is no way, God can make a way. That when we feel like we are just gonna be victims of the hurt and the, and the bad and the evil of this world, God is a God of miracles that the promises that he made through scripture, he is going to keep. And that no matter how dark things might get, he is going to be a light in that darkness. That is who our God is. That is what praise is all about. Let's finish up this Psalm, the last two verses. Actually, this is just a great exclamation point with everything that the psalmist is trying to communicate. Psalm 23, five through six, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
You see, in the Old Testament, to eat or drink at someone's table, it meant a lot. You remember those days when we used to go over to people's houses and, you know, have meals and spend time together? Those are good times, weren't they? Good times. Look forward to those days if we ever get back to those. But in the Old Testament, that was something truly significant if a host was to invite a guest into their home, into their room, and prepare a table to prepare this feast and to care for their guest. It wasn't just uh, uh, an easy thing. It wasn't just a basic thing that we maybe take inviting someone over to the house. It meant something truly significant because if you invited someone over to your house, basically what you were communicating is that you were creating a covenant relationship with that person. And covenant relationship is just a fancy way of saying a relationship built on promise, not a relationship that's convenient, not a relationship that's based off of just, you know, whatever. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll be friends. Let's know. It was a relationship that was based off a choice and a promise to say, I'm going to care for you. I am not going to give up on you. I'm not going to forsake you. That as my guest, I am going to do all that I can to show you the love, the respect and honor that you deserve. As you see, the scripture talks about how the host anoints the guest with oil, which again, for the Old Testament was a sign of tremendous, tremendous blessing that if the anoil was to be uh, put upon you, that was not only a sign of like MVP, man, you are important. This person is famous, but that the desire that you had as a host to just fill this person with blessing and not just fill this person with blessing, but to fill them to the point of overflowing. That's why after the invitation of in as a guest, the anointing of the oil, the cup that they serve is not just a cup to fill, but a cup of overflowing flowing in abundance. This is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. This is the kind of relationship that God promises those who invite his son, Jesus Christ, into their life. That he promises a life of blessing. Yes, that there are enemies out there. That there are enemies at our doorstep. That there is evil. There is darkness. There is hard, difficult things. But the God of this universe speaks through that. Almost like he doesn't even acknowledge that. And speaks to the heart of those that he loves and says, I want to bless you. I want to fill you with the life that is overflowing. I want you to trust in me. Don't worry about the things on the outside. For I am preparing a table for you and I am here to care for you today. For me, I read this and I just feel this sense of rest. I feel like I can take a breath and go, like it's going to be okay. Not because of anything I can do, not because of any argument that I have, not because of any social media posts that I can throw out there where I can argue back and forth about my ideas, that the only reason why I can take a breath and say it's going to be okay is because I have a God of the universe who is my shepherd, who is my companion, who is my host, who is going to pursue after me. His love and goodness are going to pursue after me all the days of my life. And that is a promise worth giving praise for. That is a truth that I want to claim for myself every single day. So as we close, I just want to speak to two groups of people. The first group of people are for those of you that have invited Jesus Christ into your life. You've heard this sermon before. You understand what I'm trying to say. And so I would encourage you this week to spend some time in Psalm 
23. Create some space in your schedule and open up your Bibles and just read through it. Read through the whole Psalms. Read through as much as you want, but spend some time in Psalm 23 and allow it to remind you of the God that loves you and allow it to give you this sense, to give you this encouragement, to fuel the words that you speak and the praise that you give and the worship that we together try to claim of the truth of who we believe God to be. Second group of people that I wanna speak to today are for those of you um, that have not given your life over to Jesus Christ. You have not invited him into your life. Like again, for whatever reason, you've got struggles with church. You've got a lot of questions. You got a lot of doubts. You're just kind of checking this thing out and you're not quite sure what you wanna do. I wanna invite you today to consider the God of Psalm 23. That if for those of you that are just wrestling with all these things that you want, all this unknown in the world, all these desires that you have, if you feel like something is not quite happening in your life, if you are someone who is broken, that you feel like your soul needs to be refreshed and restored, if you don't know which way to go, what direction, you don't know what is the right and the wrong, you're trying to figure this out, if you are walking through the darkest of valleys, if you are wrestling with the evil and the hurt and the suffering and the pain that this world gives so often, if you see the enemies in your presence at your doorstep, I want to invite you to consider the God of the universe. And I specifically want you to consider his son, Jesus Christ. Like I said, all of scripture points towards Jesus, no more so than Psalm 23, as it talks about the shepherd And we come to understand that Jesus Christ in John 10 verse 11 talks about Jesus Christ as our good shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep, that he put himself on a cross to die so that you may be filled abundantly with the true life, that you may be anointed with his Holy Spirit and surrounded with his strength and with his love that you are not walking this life by yourself and that he will be there with you every step of the way. And so as we close, I wanna just read for you Psalm 23 one more time. And wherever you are, whether you are close to God or you are far away, if you're questioning or if you are just struggling or wrestling, I wanna speak these words over you, pray these words over you, and I invite you I invite you to dig deeper into your relationship with God, or I invite you to give your life over to Jesus Christ for the very first time today and allow these words to speak to you. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen.